In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen, good morning, and uh, happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. I would like to make three points, they're not that precise and articulate, but uh, hopefully uh, in thinking back on it, we will remember these points. Number one, we need to start at the bottom and not at the top. Number two, we have to honor people's free will and discern their hearts and give commands. And thirdly, we need to leave it behind. And what is it that we need to leave behind? We need to leave behind our sins and seek uh, healing from, of the soul. Jesus called his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and we uh, hear this report today in this story. St. Nikolai asked, by way of introduction to this homily, why are people in such a hurry? Why are people in such a hurry these days? They want to see the fruits of their labor instantaneously. And Think about it. He, he wrote this probably in about 1925. I mean, almost 100 years ago. I mean, how much in a hurry were people in 1925 compared to how much in a hurry we are today? I mean, what would he say today about being in a hurry if he was saying that 100 years ago? But we just can't wait. And then he quotes an old saying, the mills of God grind slowly, but they grind exceedingly small. In other words, a really good mill is really good mill. He says, in thinking about this, you know, Jesus could have done it a whole lot easier than he did it. I mean, why did he pick 12 fishermen? I mean, just common men. He could have picked 12 kings of 12 nations to be his disciples and apostles. And he wouldn't have had to suffer. He would have just instantly proclaimed that the whole world was Christian and they all would have bowed down to him and been obedient to me. And, and instantaneously, all of the nations would have been Christian and would have been worshiping. So why didn't he do it that way? Why is he doing it this other way? Why is he choosing fishermen instead of kings? Then he gives an illustration. He said, think of a giant who goes up into a mountain and cuts down this most beautiful oak tree and he brings it down into the valley. And everyone goes, ooh and ah, over the, over the marvelous oak tree. And everything's fine as long as the giant is standing there holding this oak tree up. And everyone's just 
glorying in, in awe of, of the whole thing. And then the giant walks away and the tree falls down. And he says, even the bu bushes have deeper roots than this tree that was just standing there. So glory comes quickly and fades quickly. And so we need to go deep. He says we need to go from the bottom to the top. How wise it was of Christ to start from the bottom and not from the top. Okay, so what was the bottom? What is the bottom? The bottom of the gene pool? Sea of Galilee? Fishermen? He came to Judea when he inaugurated his public ministry, and he came to be baptized by John in Judea, in Israel, right outside of Jerusalem, a prominent and a well-known area. And he was baptized by John, and on that occasion he met Simon Peter. What we read today is actually not the first occasion in which he met him. It says in John chapter 1, the next day John stood with two of his disciples, two of John's disciples, and it was Peter and Andrew because they were disciples of John the Baptist. And looking at Jesus, he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and seeing them said, said to them, What do you seek? Did he say, Follow me? Not immediately. He held back. What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said, Come and see. And they followed him, and they spent the whole day with him. And then uh, Andrew found Simon and said, We've found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which means the rock. Did he say, Follow me? Not yet. So there's an introduction they spend a whole day together, he gives a kind of prophetic challenge. And then that's it until they meet again. After John was arrested and was beheaded, Jesus retreated from Judea back up into an area called Galilee. That was an area that was not highly respected among the Jews. He was from Nazareth. You remember St. Philip's first response where we found the, the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, and he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This was a general, this was a general attitude. And so he retreats to Nazareth. And he goes into the synagogue, and you may remember this, 
and, and uh, recorded in Luke chapter 4 where he walks up and he opens the scroll and he begins to read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We read this on September the 1st, the, the day of the in, indiction. And, uh, and to proclaim the year of the grace of the Lord. And, and he closed the book and he said, This is fulfilled in your hearing. And everyone marveled and was amazed at his teaching, except the scribes and the Pharisees. They weren't marveled and amazed. They were upset. And they led and they kicked him out of town. They led him up to the high hill. Implication was they might have been trying to kill him, but he, he got away. And so now where does he go? He goes to Sea of Galilee where, you know, the, if Nazareth was not respected, this is even worse. And uh, St. Nikolai even, even quotes the prophet. Finally, he stopped beside the Sea of Galilee on the borders of the land of Zebulun and Naphtali among the most marginalized and despised among the people in darkness and in the shadow of death, Isaiah 9.2. And he was to bury the seed of the fruitful tree of his gospel in this great darkness. Retreat, 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 rejection, rejection, rejection. Not in Rome, but in the darkness and the shadow of death. He sows his seed of the gospel of the kingdom of God so that the root might grow deep and strong. So when the winds and the way winds come against it and the rains come against it, and they, the world wants to cut it down, cut off its head. They cut the tree, but because of the deep root, it keeps coming up, keeps shooting up, keeps blossoming up. And so he called them, he called these humble men, and he gave them power and authority. He didn't call the king. So he comes to the Sea of Galilee, and we see this scene, and they're working on their boats, they're mending their nets, they're washing their nets, and he says to them, come and follow me. And they followed him. Now he was ready. So why was he ready? At this time, after he had had opportunity to do it before, but he didn't immediately do it. Because he was honoring their free will. And discerning their heart. And waiting to give the command. And I'd like to share with you this paragraph of what St. Nikolai says about this. This is how God acts with all of us. He will not put pressure on us to follow the path of salvation, 
but he leaves us freely and according to our perception to choose the path of salvation or the path of destruction. But when God who sees into our hearts and has taken care to set our hearts on the right path, on the way of salvation, then he firmly draws us along this way. He says, what do you seek? Free will, right? Set the heart firmly on the path. Your name is Simon, son of Jonah, but you will be called the rock. He set his heart on the right path, and then he said to him, follow me. If he sees that our hearts have turned completely to the path of destruction and evil, then God leaves us and Satan to become our master. And so it was with Judas the traitor, when his heart was wholly turned to evil and he had chosen the dark path of destruction, Christ no longer turned back to him. On the contrary, Satan had already entered into Judas, and Judas said, "What thou?" And he said to Judas, "What thou must do." do quickly he gave him freedom to make his choice he discerned his heart and he gave the command what thou must do do quickly wow can you imagine Neither in this instance with Peter or Andrew or that with Judas does God impinge our free will or choice, but speaks to our hearts who have already chosen evil or good, saying to Peter, follow me, saying to Judas, what thou must do, do quickly. God help me if that's what Christ says to me. I want to be on Peter's side, don't you? I want to be on Peter's side. I want him to say, follow me. So how do we get there? How do we get to that point? Because we all know that we can choose good or evil. We all know that we do it every day. We choose good or evil every day. And in multitude circumstances of our life, we're choosing good or evil. So how can we get out of this choosing evil. I want to get out of it. I don't want to just be forgiven. I want to get out of it. St. Nikolai says that there is an inward meaning to this whole story. We come now to leaving it behind. The fishermen signify those who seek spiritual blessings. The net is our soul. The sea is this world. The ship is the body. And these fishermen casting their nets into the sea means that they're seeking spiritual blessings and spiritual food. They're seeking the kingdom of God and spreading and immersing their souls into the depth of this world in order to catch these blessings wherever they can. 
and mending their nets and following Christ means that they have left their old sinful souls and started out to be renewed by Christ. What do you see? And so, thirdly, it also means that from now on they no longer to seek spiritual blessings from by their own efforts in their own strength but in the power of God and with their own not with their own minds but by by God's revelation so how do we get out of it by our own strength by our own mind by our own logic or by leaving these things behind and seeking revelation from God and the two others leaving the ship and their father means they have left their sinful bodies and their earthly father in order to concern themselves with the, the soul's salvation and to go and to meet the heavenly father. They left it behind. They left the mean and evil habits and the, the e evil passions in their body. They left it behind. Is this too hard? <laughs> It's, it is hard, but it's good stuff, isn't it? This is, the, the, these three Sundays that follow Pentecost, I like to call them the Sundays of the cost of discipleship. What's it going to cost me? Everything. My whole life. Maybe, maybe no, somebody's not going to come and chop off my head. But I have to ch chop off the head of my pride. I have to chop off the head of my own personal logic and seek revelation from God. I have to cut off the mean and evil uh, habits and passions in sin if I'm going to follow Him and leave it all behind. May God, our almighty Savior, Give us the strength to do this. Give us the grace to do this. When we come forward, you know, we walk the aisle every Sunday, don't we? We walk the aisle and receive Jesus Christ. And when we do it today, let's mean it. Let's mean it. And not take anything for granted and believe that he's going to give us the power to fulfill his commands to live the Christian life in this fallen world.